0: Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, so, look, two weeks ago, um, the topic was was called uh, the bedrock of evangelism, and so we're we're talking about evangelism uh, this month. And um, initially, we did a life group just to really recap. We did a life group and. Um, In that life group, I wanted to just kind of feel everybody out to see, like, you know, when I say evangelism, what comes to your mind? You know, and there was a lot of ambiguity, a lot of, uh, how would I say that? It wasn't very clear, so uh, let's say it like that. It wasn't very clear as to what evangelism was. And so um, last week, we, we defined that. We said evangelism's simple. It's living life, loving people, and sharing Jesus with them in a natural, genuine, and loving way. Cool? So we said that in order to effectively share Jesus with people, we had to first have a relationship with him. You know, a lot of times uh, people will attend church, but they won't have a a good relationship with Jesus. And they'll almost have like a, a, a list of things to do in order to share Jesus. When that's not that's not the heart of true evangelism. The heart of true evangelism comes from a relationship with him first. Right. And so that might be simple, but it's, it's very important. Third, we said. Um, evangelism is a supernatural thing. It can't be just a natural conversation. When you share in Jesus with people, we said that there's more taking place than just talking with your mouth and them hearing with their ear. There's something going on in their spirit if God's grace is on the conversation. And then lastly, we summed all of that up with two scriptures, all right? And the two scriptures were John 15:5. Jesus is talking, he says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Key part here apart from me, you can do nothing, right? And then in Acts 1 4 through 8, we said, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But key point, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So Jesus says, when you are filled with him, when you have a relationship with him, apart from him, you can't do this. But when you're tapped into him, you'll be his witnesses and you'll be fruitful. Cool. So that was two weeks ago. Last week, um, we discussed evangelism in our groups, in our small groups. And we asked a lot of questions. And going into this, we really wanted to get some feedback again. Uh, You know, what are you guys thinking after the last sermon about evangelism? So out of all the questions, three of them that really triggered the response that led to this message, Were these three questions, what about sharing Jesus is challenging to you? Is it more difficult to share him with family and friends or with complete strangers? And what is the number one concern you have about evangelism? So, you know, every other Sunday, all your group leaders and myself, we meet for like two hours um, Sunday afternoon, and we just discuss, you know, how are life groups going? You know, where are people at? Um, What are some questions coming up that maybe I could I could speak towards um, and stuff like that? And so this time we figured out there's an overall theme that's been going on regarding evangelism. And it's this it's fear and pressure. So a lot of people have a lot of concerns. They kind of fearful. Maybe they feel a little awkward about sharing Jesus. Maybe they feel a little pressure. And so um, today's message, we're going to title it Unnecessary Pressure. Now, what I'm not saying is that the pressure isn't real or that the fear isn't real or the concern isn't real. It is real, but I hope to to show you that it's unnecessary. All right. So, let me give you some feedback from y'all life groups. This is from all of you guys. These are some of the most common what if questions or, or what if statements, rather. Okay. What if I don't exactly know what to say? What if I come off or look judgmental? What if I can't theologically or scientifically explain everything in the Bible? Um, What if I haven't always been the best example of what a Christian should look like? Um, What if other Christians see me hanging around non-Christians, commonly known as worldly people? What if I come off as weird? Or what if I witness to someone and they don't get saved? So that was some of the top like what if statements that we had last week. And so until I can cover all of them, I will cover all of them. But tonight I'm just going to cover three. But until I can do that, let me respond with some other what ifs. okay? and I hope that until I cover them all, this kind of helps you out a little bit. okay? what if I told you you don't have to know what to say? Jesus doesn't expect you to know what to say. What if I said you're not supposed to come off as judgmental? So don't worry about it. What if I said you don't have to theologically or scientifically explain everything, that you never will be able to theologically or scientifically explain everything. Nobody on the planet can do that. So what if I said it's okay that you're not perfect and that that actually helps you share Jesus more than it hurts you? What if I said that Christians number one job on the planet is to hang around with people who aren't Christians, so that they can get to know Jesus. I said that. What if what if I said you being real and genuine makes you not weird? Cuz people can sense when somebody's being real and when somebody's being fake or hiding something or feels awkward. But when you're being real, you feel comfortable. And when you feel comfortable, you come off as genuine. Does that make sense? Okay? And then last, what if I said that that you can't save anyone anyway? Only Jesus can do that, so you don't have to carry that burden. Like you have to talk to somebody about Jesus, and in ten minutes they got to get saved, right? That's a misconception of evangelism, and so um, I want to share a story in a second, and and it's it's a really cool story. Um, I shared it with the leaders, and um, it, it's recent, so it's pretty neat. It's kind of like kind of like the Lord set me up to to preach this story, um, but before I do that. I'm going to read two verses that I want to preface the story with. So when we're thinking of evangelism, sharing Jesus, I want to preface all of that with these two verses. So I'm going to read these kind of slow and pay attention to the characteristics. And while I'm reading it, imagine a person fitting this description. So as I'm reading this stuff, imagine a person in your mind like, Man, wouldn't that be neat, you know, to be around this type of person? OK, so. Our job as Christians, first and foremost, is to love people, is to love people, right? It's not to change them, you know, because like I said a while ago, we can't change people. Only God can do that, right? And so our job is to love people. And then here's what I mean when I say our job is to love people, right? In 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 7, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And that'd be a cool friend to have, somebody who does all that all the time, right? I don't do that all the time, right? We're not, nobody's perfect. But that'd be a, that'd be a pretty cool guy or girl. Um, so the second scripture is um, Romans twelve nine through 19 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. So at this point, I could probably just drop the mic and walk out. Because if everybody could just follow that, people would be knocking our doors down. Think about this. Think if every Christian... If every Christian had all of those characteristics, if I meet somebody that has all those characteristics, I don't think I'm ever going to leave them. That's an awesome sounding person. But we're not capable of doing that stuff by ourselves. We need the grace of God, right? Okay, so keeping all that stuff in mind, um, that kind of can relieve a little bit of pressure from what I was talking about earlier as far as the what if. I told you you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. So let me illustrate a story that's going to lead into the next couple points that we'll address today. Um, So I think it was it was two weeks ago. Uh, First off, how many of you like to fish in here? And we're in South Louisiana. That's it. Okay. well, the rest of you need to go fishing. You don't go catching. That's the difference. So anyway. um, So, man, I went fishing, Uh, me and a couple of friends from college. Uh, we kind of started a little tradition a couple of years ago. And what we would do is we'd all save up all year round because when you're in college, you're broke. You don't have any money. And so we'd, we'd set aside ten dollars a week here, ten dollars a week there. And at the end of the year, we would put all our money together and we go on a charter fishing trip. Um, so for those of you who, who don't fish or don't know what a charter trip is, there's this guy called a charter fisherman. And his job is to fish all day, every day and take people and put them on fish. So it's not like you're going to go and catch maybe five fish. When you go with these guys, you're catching like 75-plus fish all day long. You're just reeling and casting, steady pulling in fish. It's a blast, all right? So um, this is the first year that me and all my friends from college have graduated and and we're not with each other anymore. Some of them live out of state. A couple live in town. And so we didn't know if we were going to do it again. And um, so this past year, we all get together. And uh, I guess about a couple months ago, we got on a big conference call and we said, hey, man, you know, that time of year is coming up again. Are we going to go fishing again? You know, and so, of course, my vote was yes. And so was everybody else's. So we went. So the trip was a Friday night and a Saturday night. Um, And this is where evangelism started. Right. Now, keep in mind, I didn't go on this trip with an agenda. These are my friends. None of these guys are serving God. But I love them. Right. They're not Christians, but they're good people. Now, being a good person won't get you into heaven. But until then, they're good people, you know. And so anyway, I'm hanging out with these guys. And um, it was before I I was going to drive everybody down. I was going to pick up some guys from the airport. And uh, man, I had all my bags packed and and I, I was loading up my truck and I was by myself. And so I just I hit my knees in my living room. Nobody was there. And um and I just prayed, I just said, I said, Lord, um, I'm excited about this trip, you know, thank you for giving me a chance to go with all my friends, you know, I'm really looking forward to this. I asked him, I said, you know, keep us safe on the road, it's a two and a half hour drive, keep us safe in the boat and then and then I ended it with this. I said, God, um, I love my friends and um and I know that they know about you and that they're good people, but but they don't know you like I know you. And I want them to know you like I know you. I want them to have a relationship with you. And so I don't know what your time frame is for them. I don't know if it's going to be this time we're hanging out and they're going to ask about you more and want to give their life to you. Or if that's going to be 10 years from now. Only you know that. But God, I just want you to use me as a vessel, God. I just yield to you and I just want you to use me. And that was my prayer. And so I loaded up my truck. Went pick up everybody at the airport. We had a blast catching up on the way down, um, down to Homa. And uh, man, we had a great time. Friday, when we went fishing. We caught 63 specks. For those of you who are interested, we caught 63 specks, four reds and four drum on the first night. OK, yeah, it was good. So um, so we get back to the camp and we fry and fish. And this is where this is where the cool part of the story starts. OK, we get back to the camp and we fry and fish and. Look, keep in mind, when I was in high school, I've only been saved for about five years. I wasn't saved in high school. I was a totally different person before I got saved. I I was always partying all the time, fighting all the time. Just, I don't know, it just was a, that was the lifestyle I lived. I didn't know the Lord, I didn't know any better. And that's just what you did back then, you know? And so I'm frying fish and a truck pulls up and a bunch of guys get out of the truck. And I barely recognize them. But as they got closer, I realized my senior year of high school, these guys were in ninth grade. And I hadn't seen them since I graduated high school because when I graduated, I moved to UL or Lafayette to go to UL. And so, man, they're walking up and and it was just coming back to me as to who they were. And you could tell their their approach to me was really timid and I couldn't understand why. And then I, I remembered, man, the last time they saw me. I wasn't a Christian. I was a totally different person. And so they were all, you know, skeptical and it was kind of a weird, awkward situation, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but man, we caught up, we started to catch up real quick, and and um it was a good little time, you know, and so we fried fish, we had a good night, good afternoon. And so we we'll go upstairs and we're hanging out upstairs. Well, everybody's drinking and and stuff like that, you know, and I'm drinking water and everybody else is, is drinking and, and, and stuff. It's just guys out there, and um, we're at the camp. Well, all the guys that I went with, which was four of us total, okay, they all went to sleep, and I was still up with about, I guess, about four other guys. And so it was me and four other guys that I hadn't seen since high school. Nobody at this camp is a Christian. Nobody's serving God. So we're hanging out, we're talking, and and the question comes up, At about 11 o'clock. And these guys have been drinking since probably six o'clock. And the question comes up, so man, what do you do now? (laughs) I love when that question comes up, by the way, because it's always about to get real, you know? Um, And so I said, well, man, I'm actually a pastor now. And man, their reaction was like, you what? A a pastor, like a priest? Because everybody's Catholic, you know, from down there. I said, no, I kind of laughed. I said, no, man. I said, I'm, I'm a pastor at a Christian church. Oh, all right. Well, what you what you talking about, like Christian church? What's that? And so, I, you know, just took some time to explain to him, you know, well, man, you know, we believe in the word of God. You know, we believe in the Bible and and that's it. N- nothing. No man may rules, man. That's we believe in God's word, you know. And uh, and so just I did not want to get into a theology a theological debate. I just wanted to have a conversation and catch up. And so we went on. We were playing cards. We went on, played some cards for a little bit longer. And, and then finally one of them says, so, man, you know, I've been sitting here thinking. He's like, it, it's all cool if you're not, if you're not uh, a Catholic or anything. And, you know, you, as long as you're a good person, you know, he said, if, if you're a good Muslim or if you're a good Hindu or if you're a good Buddhist, I mean, as long as you're good at whatever you're following, you go to heaven. And so, at this point, I had a, a choice to make: either I, either I just don't say anything, or I, I I gotta tell them that that's not true. But I'm sitting at a table with four guys who've been drinking since six o'clock. You can't read a book that prepares you for that. We had a camp all the way down the bayou. I can't just get up and drive away, you know. And so, at that point, I just at that point, I just prayed to myself. I said, Lord. Only you know your timing is perfect. I know your timing is perfect, but just use me. In my mind, I'm just saying this. And so I, I told the guy, I said, you know, man, that's that's not true. You know, and I said, I, I get what you're saying. I get why you would think that, but that's not true. And he said, well, yeah, it's true. I said, no, man, I said, it's not. I said, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says that the only way you can go to the father is through the son. And that's Jesus. So it's not true, man. And so his initial response was one out of anger and, and, and frustration. Like, how dare I say something like that, you know? And so in my mind, I'm just I don't know if any of y'all are spirit filled, but I'm praying in tongues in my brain while I'm having this conversation. Uh, because, you know, I didn't want to offend him because I want to keep the relationship good. But I can't leave God in the in the truck. I bring him wherever I go, and that's how we're that's what we're called to do as Christians. that's evangelism. it's just introducing Jesus into everything that we're doing and so he started to get riled up a little bit and and so man, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me, and it wasn't in my ear. the Holy Spirit wasn't like, "Hey, say this, you know He was just kind of just putting on my heart what to say and how to go about it as the conversation was going, and so I felt the Lord tell me. Um, I felt the Lord tell me, man, he's, he's, he's angry because he feels that this isn't right, you know? And so I'll just kind of tell you guys the dialogue of the conversation. So he said, well, man, that's ridiculous. He said, what about Gandhi? You know, Gandhi I was like, yeah, man, I know Gandhi. He's like, well, how's Gandhi not in heaven? I said, well, dude, you know, I wasn't there when Gandhi died. I wasn't there when Gandhi breathed his last breath. But Gandhi wasn't a Christian, and if Gandhi wasn't a Christian, that means he didn't believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. That he didn't believe that Jesus was the savior. And so, if he didn't acknowledge that and and, and ask Jesus into his heart, the Bible says that that he's not saved. And so he that that really fired him up, you know. And now keep in mind, this guy he's Catholic. He's not you know a hindu or anything but he really had an issue with that and then and this is where the conversation started to just flow and and look guys i ain't this i am not that smart the holy spirit just started to use me and and i you know when he's using you cuz there's no way you coming up with this stuff on your own you ain't that good and so man i just said you know what man you're angry because you feel like this is not right and this isn't just and but what you don't realize is you're made in god's image and when you're made in God's image, we have a just God. God. God is a just God. He desires justice. And you feel this is unjust. But let me tell you why it's just. Because by what you're saying, if you got to be a good person to go to heaven, then let me ask you this. At what point does it make you a good person? Do you have to do 15,000 good deeds to go to heaven? Well, what about the guy who does fourteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine? Does he go to heaven? Well, what if he doesn't? Isn't that unfair? Oh, but what if God tips the scale for him? Well, what about the guy who does fourteen thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight good deeds? Does he go now? Or no? You see, well, that's that's very complicated. And so rather than go through all that stuff, Jesus made it this easy. Jesus said, Look, I didn't even design hell for you, I designed it for Satan and fallen angels. Hell's not even meant for us. He said, so I said, over my dead body will you go to hell. And he came down, he lived a sinless, spotless, perfect life, and he died for all of your sins and mine. And all you got to do is acknowledge that. All you've got to do is say, you know what, Jesus, I can't clean myself up. I'm unrighteous and in your eyes and your standards, but you came and you died for me. And, and if you ask Jesus into your heart and you mean it with your heart, you're saved. Now, that's way easier than doing 15,000 good deeds. And so I can go on and on about the story, but we talked until 2 o'clock in the morning. And at, at times I'd have to say, hey, look, man, look, I, I, at no point during this conversation do I want you to think that I'm better than you or that that I'm mad or that I don't want you to be mad, dude. I, I, I totally respect you, dude. I, I just kept stopping and saying that, look, man, our friendship is what's important to me. And you know why I did that? I didn't tell him this, but the reason I did that is if it was about winning an argument and winning a debate, I wouldn't be going fishing with this dude again. And I, I'd have forfeited my shot to continue to love on him and present the gospel in a practical way. But he kept telling me, no, man, I want to know. I want to know. And so he'd get riled up a little bit. And then I, when I'd notice he'd get riled up, I'd say, hey, hey, hold on, man. You're getting aggravated. That's not what I want. I love you, dude. I, I'm not trying to make you mad. No, 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 man, I, Okay, I'm sorry, but I want to keep talking about it. So we talked till like two o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, when I left, one of the guys who I thought was sleeping, he started talking. He's like, man, you know, I was listening to everything you said the other day. um, And he just asked me a couple of questions about it. Now, no end result has taken place with either one of those guys. But like the Bible talks about one person plants, another one harvests. That was all seed planting. We left our relationships are all on a good note. And man, look, I had no idea how to answer some of the questions that this dude was asking me. And and for time's sake, I won't go into it. But it was questions that I never even looked up. Like, I don't know. Great questions. And man, in that moment, the Lord was giving me these questions to answer. So with that story in mind, let's look at three and we'll get through as much as we can. I know we're running low on time, but let's look at three of those what if questions. And we're going to cover them all before we're done this series. So, uh, but the first one is what if I don't exactly know what to say? What if I don't exactly know what to say? So, let me answer that for you. You won't know what to say until you're having the conversation. And so, when I say that, your initial thought would be like, what? But that's the truth. You won't know what to say until you're having the conversation. God doesn't use us by us like pre-planning a dialogue or, you know, anything like that. He uses you on the spot. So the reality is we worry that we might get into a conversation that we don't know the answers to. We, We might say the wrong thing and we're just not sure. But we're concerned with the wrong thing. What we should be concerned with is the posture of our heart towards Jesus. Because if the posture of our heart's not right, we'll get into another issue that I'll elaborate on. So the details aren't what we should be worried about. We should be worried about, God, instead of me wondering if you're going to come through for me, I trust you to come through for me. I trust you to come through for me. When we go from worry to trust, Jesus takes care of the details. All right. So in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So in order to be used by God, we need the grace of God. He's the one who guides the conversations. He's the one who prompts the questions and provides the answers, right? So in James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, God looks at our heart and the motives behind our heart. And if if those things check out, if the motives are pure, and our heart is pure, then God can use us. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that men look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You can do and say all the right things, you know all the right Christian terminology and, and everything you, you could pre-plan in your mind before a conversation with somebody. But man, it could still be unfruitful if it's not done from a heart of humility, you know? But here's the good news. Okay, so you remember we just read that God gives grace to the humble. Here's what's in God's grace. Here's what's in God's grace. John 14, 26 through 27. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything i have said to you peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid so god's grace it teaches his grace teaches us in the moment it reminds us of things he's taught us previously whether that be through his word through a message or even our own experiences and it gives us a peace of mind and just an overall peace in the midst of conversations like that. What if I come off as judgmental? That was another one of the questions we got from last, from last week. What if I come off as judgmental? So here's a short answer to that. If your heart is right, you won't come off as judgmental. So don't worry. It's about keeping your heart right. We that people are going to think we're judgmental. So if we acknowledge three things, number one, we don't want to come off that way. Alright. Number two, Jesus doesn't want us to come off that way. Number three, so don't come off that way. <laughs> it's it's that simple. So don't come off that way. So people to come off, people tend to come off as judgmental when they have the wrong mindset. And this is the mindset I'm talking about. The mindset that says, It's my job to change people. It's all on me. That's a lot of pressure, guys. And if we think that our job in evangelism is to change somebody on the spot, we'll, we'll crumble under that pressure. Not even Jesus did that. So we can't do that. Right. Jesus disciples had this mindset. In one area of Scripture, they had that mindset of it's my job to change people and I want it now. Right. They didn't have patience. Like we read earlier about love. One of the attributes is patience. They didn't have patience in this particular area of Scripture. In Luke 9:51 through 56. Check this out. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So pretty much Jesus is saying, Hey, look, I'm I'm gonna be heading to Jerusalem. Go and prepare my way. Go let people know that I'm coming, etc. And when they went, the Samaritans kind of stiff armed Jesus in a sense. Like, nah, look, bro, we don't we don't want that guy over here. And so here's the disciples' response to that. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So I want to pause right here real quick. So the disciples said, Lord, so they acknowledge Jesus as their Lord. They're doing that right. Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They've got faith to call down fire from heaven. That's a lot of faith, right? But... The whole heart behind it is what Jesus had an issue with. We read on, it says, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then went to another village. So remember, we can't change people, nor is it our job. Our job is to love people. God does the changing. That takes a ton of pressure off. Billy Graham puts it this way. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Pretty simple. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, my job to love. So that should be our approach as well. Let's recap here as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So right here we see Jesus himself came into the world not not to condemn, but to love people. So further on it says, if somebody doesn't confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're already condemned. So we don't have to go and condemn them. You know, a lot of people will fall into that. Um, Another area of scripture says, Therefore, you who have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or will you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads us towards repentance? The same thing that, that, that leads us to a relationship with God is the same thing that will lead other people into a relationship with God, and that's kindness and love, right? So we ourselves have been and still are, from time to time, guilty of sin. So be careful. I know I'm hammering this point home, but I know that especially with like recent media, you see on the news, when you when you hear Christians, their big thing is, is judgmental Christians. And you know, if, whenever you go to college, a lot of college professors will kind of harp on judgmental Christians. And that's what they call Christians, judgmental. And so that's why I'm spending some time here. So after we humbly realize that we too are sinners in need of a savior, We've got to remember that God's love and grace leads us to repentance. I was talking to Pastor Kelly about this um, today about the sermon, and I wanted to make sure that that I came across right. You know, some people um, will preach just everything. Everything's okay. Sin's okay. You know, they call that hyper grace. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but there are some people who will preach that whatever you do, you're going to go to heaven anyway. And and I didn't want to convey that. But at the same time, there are some other people who preach that it's our job to go and tell people the sin that they're doing wrong, so I wanted to make sure I hit a good balance and Pastor Kelly said this this is a pretty good a pretty good judge of 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 what you should be doing. Don't judge what you're not willing to walk someone out of so in other words if you're not if, if somebody's going through a tough time or going through a tough sin uh in their life and you're not willing to Go go through it with them, you know, walk them out of that sin, love them all the way until they're delivered from that stuff. If you're not prepared to do that, you probably shouldn't judge them, you know, or probably shouldn't call them out on it. Thought that was really good. And then uh, let's see. I know it's eight o'clock, guys. I don't want to. I don't want to run this one too long. Yeah, let's save this one for next week because this is a good one. Next week, we're going to talk about what if I haven't always been the best example of a Christian. Cool. So I'm going to close it up in prayer. I want to end on time, guys, because I know your parents are are sometimes waiting to pick you guys up and and I don't want to I don't want to have them waiting. Cool. All right. So y'all can stand with me, guys, and we'll pray out. All right. Hey, Jesus, Lord, thank you for tonight, Lord. We just We just ask you to just come in here just like you were earlier, God. We ask for your presence again, just like you were earlier, God. We ask that you would honor our time together tonight, Lord, and that even as we leave, you would continue to minister what was preached, whether it was from this message or whether it was what was ministered through worship when your presence was just so thick and tangible in here. God, we ask that you would continue to have your way in every student's life, Lord, we ask that, God, your 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 gifting of evangelism is available to all who ask, God. And we know that it's a gift. So, Lord, we just pray that you would just give everybody that gift, God. Your, your word says that if we desire a gift, that we should ask for it. And so we ask for that. As we close up, guys, some of you got to go, but some of you may want prayer. And I want to ask some of the leaders to come up. And we're just going to open up uh, the altar up here for prayer. I want to encourage you come and get prayer for anything and everything guys I I said this one time before and and I'll say it again I never regretted a time that I walked up to the altar to get some prayer okay so in closing come on up those of you who who don't want any prayer feel free to stay and worship a little bit or go ahead and and leave but for those of you who do need prayer don't hesitate to come up okay all right y'all are dismissed Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.